Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Paul has just finished writing extensively about the importance of the bodily resurrection to the whole of the Christian doctrine. And he's also given evidence to prove the reality of Christ's bodily resurrection. Now, the thing you've got to realize is this is not about what we will become. The resurrection is not about what we will become. It's about the manifestation of who we are. Because a lot of people look at the resurrection and they think, oh, that'll be a great day when I become. In fact, many people look at the resurrection and they think it's about them coming out of the grave. But for the believer, that's not so. You will not be coming out of the grave. Do you understand that? Oh, I know everybody's looking at me quizzically, but that is the truth. You have been resurrected with Christ. Your body will come out of the grave. But you won't. You have no affiliation with death. Your body will come up. But you will meet it. Now, isn't that cool? You won't be in the grave. You don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to have to endure the worm. Neither are you. The truth is that who you are is in Christ right now eternal eternal you're clothed in him at the moment and you wear a bodily suit an earth suit that unfortunately has been cursed by sin so guess what the wages of sin is death that's right now the reason that the resurrection of the body is important is because it is the completion the completion the period to christ's redemptive work it's part of the whole, but it is the end of the whole. Romans eight twenty three says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves too have enjoy have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come. We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality in the grave, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation. As God's sons. Well, you know what? Paul's uh, very specific in that verse. He says the redemption of what? Our bodies. We groan inwardly. Because there's a contrast between what the flesh we're wearing. And some of its behaviors and the truth within us. Now, doesn't necessarily have to be, but there is. We are redeemed. We are new creations. Truth is, we are following the resurrection path of Christ. You want to know how this will progress? Look at your Bible. Christ died and he rose again and he was clothed in a spiritual body that was appropriate for who he was. And he walked about in that spiritual body and he also resurrected unto heaven and dwells with the Father. He also dwells in you. What a glorious transformation we shall be clothed with a spiritual body the truth of the new creation will no longer be obstructed 
What we have seen through a glass dimly will become clear and vivid with a brilliance that is worthy of our Father. In the verses that we're going to look at today, Paul is done with proving the bodily resurrection. And he begins to describe the body. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 44. And I will begin where we left off last week on verse 34. And this is indicative of the, of the uh, condition of the believers in Corinth. He says to them, Awaken, awake from your drunken stupor and return to sober sense and your right minds and sin no more. For some of you have not the knowledge of God. You are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant and continue to be so. Lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of him. I say this to your shame. As I said last week, the believers in Corinth had begun to conform themselves to the society that they lived in. They had been caught in a worldly undertow. And now they begin to shift in their thinking, their belief system. And they were being conformed. And we're all being conformed to something. That's Romans 12 too. It says, be ye not conformed to this world. Well, you're going to be conformed to something. You cannot not be conformed. And the question is, what are you being conformed to? Are you either being conformed to Christ in your living, or you're being conformed to this world? You will reveal your affections and your appetites. We all do. We set our priorities accordingly, don't we? What is greater pleasure for you? To indulge your flesh or to worship? Here's a question. Have you compartmentalized the presence of God in order that you may indulge worldliness, selfishness, and other flesh-centered pursuits? That's a question I had to ask myself. Have I so compartmentalized the presence of God in order that I may indulge my flesh in areas? If so, according to this verse, in accordance with this verse, you need to wake up, child of God. Wake up to the truth. Wake up to the reality of who you are. Verse 35. But someone will say, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body will they come forth? Now, first, you need to understand that this is not the question of a sincere believer. This is the mocking question of a skeptic. You see, the Greeks believed that the body was just a prison and that when you died, it rotted and turned to dust. And that was the end of it. The spirit was then set free to become part of some great consciousness or God with a little g. Obviously, that's a distortion of the truth. So resurrection in their minds was some kind of zombie apocalypse and wasn't attractive at all. The very idea was unimaginable and foolish in the Greek mind. Verse 36, you foolish man. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up and growing unless it first dies you fool and what he's saying is you senseless one it I, and it makes me think back of the verse we just read in verse 34 where he says for some of you have not the knowledge of god and he says you're lacking the sense of god's presence and all true knowing of him the question reflects an ignorance of god god the creator who spoke everything into existence how The farther away we get from living in the reality of his presence, the weaker and more human-like our God becomes in our thinking. You ever notice that? The limitless God becomes limited. The unconditional love of God becomes conditional. 
His acceptance and delight in us becomes provisional. See, they can never envision the work of God because they had restricted him to what their feeble minds could comprehend. So Paul must relate to them through the visible. He must relate to them through what they have seen rather than through faith. He begins with the simplest illustration, one that would be familiar to them. That would be the the seed. The seed must first go into the ground and die before it lives. It rots, it decomposes, and then it rises again to the fullness of all that it was created to be. Whatever goes into the ground comes forth changed, but yet unchanged, for its nature is the same. This is how Jesus illustrated his own death. In John 12, 24, he says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. But if it dies, speaking of himself, but if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. And the process is the same for us, for every believer. Before the return of Christ, we're all going to lay these bodies down to destruction. You know that. You watched it happen. Believers have already been made alive. I brought this up earlier. We've already been made alive. We've already been raised with Christ. We just need a change of clothing. So the body dies, but we will never die. Verse 37. Nor is the seed you sow than the body which it is going to have later. But it is a naked kernel, perhaps of wheat or some of the rest of the grains. You see, the identity of a seed is hard to recognize from the outside, isn't it? Unless you're, even if you're a farmer, you know, you're not acquainted to every seed. But they reveal themselves in the resurrection in that illustration. At the resurrection, the glory of the seed is made plain to see. The seed is identified by the plant, not the plant by the seed. And some of you are confused by your identity right now. But know this, one day it will be revealed. It'll be plain who you are. The glory of this life is to live in the truth of who we are by faith, not by sight. The world lives by sight. We don't live by sight. Verse 38, but God gives to it, speaking of the seed, the body that he plans and sees fit to each kind of seed, a body of its own. Now the creator is the sovereign God of resurrection. And he is tailoring the perfect body for you. In this life, we are constantly seeking to change who we are by changing our body. We see that all the time. People are always looking to become something different just through the changing of how they dress or the amount of weight they carry or their athleticism. Suddenly, their identity has changed. The reality of it is, guys, is that when we try to change our identity, try to become something new in this body... We're glorying in the flesh. We've put our identity in something that is not us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need to be good stewards of this suit that we're wearing. If you're not, that could be a problem for you. But God will one day give us a suit that is appropriate. He will give us a body that will manifest who he is and who we are with glory. Verse 39. For all flesh is not the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for beasts, another for birds, and another for fish. See, God never created a duplicate, which is interesting because we are really such lemmings, aren't we? Yeah, we're always wanting to look like somebody else. If you've got curly hair, you want straight hair. 
If you got blonde hair, you want black. If you got gray hair, you want in black hair. Yeah, we're always looking to make some changes. We always want to look like either us earlier or somebody else. And the reality of it is that there's a uniqueness that God wants us to recognize. You've heard me speak on this several times. But the reason I go back and forth, I continue to bring it up, is because we allow the enemy to convince us that our uniqueness is a problem, that we need to be like somebody else, that we need to look like somebody else, that we need to study like somebody else, that we need to pray like somebody else, that we need to minister like somebody else. You know, even even the the paradigm of the church you know, we're sitting in the typical paradigm. We've got the pews and we're all doing the same things. We have followed that way. But the reality of it is that each one of us worships through the same spirit, but uniquely. Each one of us prays by the same spirit, but uniquely. Each one of us reads the Bible, the same words, but views it uniquely. You have a perspective, and that perspective is unique. It is completely unique, and that is why God works with you uniquely. Many of us wonder why so-and-so came into Christ this way, and we came into Christ another way. Many of us wonder why so-and-so can pick up these insights from the Word of God, yet that same scripture for us seemed to yield nothing. Well, I'm going to tell you that you are on a specific path that is unique to you. And the resurrection body is no different. God is tailoring or will tailor that body to be exactly, to be the exact fit of the person you are in Christ. This uniqueness is his delight. Some of you have beautiful voices and sing in such a way that that is pleasing to most ears. But some of us don't. Now it's interesting to me that God loves both. He loves both. Some of us can pray with great eloquence and never stumble over a single word. Some of us seem to be able to pray endlessly, particularly when it's time to eat. But you know, the reality of it is that each of us pray according to the way God has made us. When I try to duplicate the prayers of my father, they just don't sound like his prayers. But you know what? Those prayers don't do me any good. The prayers that God has literally written in my heart, that, that literally flow with his will, that flow with his desire for me, those prayers literally have a, they have a rendering effect with me. They flow from me and through me. As though they weren't mine to begin with. And you know what? There's probably a lot of truth to that. That's the way I want to pray. Yielded to receive. He is the sovereign God of all creation and all resurrection. We have our identity, not in the body, but our identity is in Christ and it is unique. All flesh is not the same, verse 39. One kind for humans, another for beasts, another for birds, and another for fish. Now, several teachers have used this illustration and I thought it was, uh, I thought it illustrated our uniqueness rather well. Most of you particularly you teachers sitting out there, are aware that amino acids are the building blocks of flesh. They are, in combination, what makes us who we are. They are the combinations are different for each one of us. Now, get this. There are over 600 octodecillion of those 
amino acids in you. And I know some of you out there are going, octodecillion, yeah, I get that. Well, I didn't. I had to look it up. Octodecillion is a one followed by 57 zeros. And there are over 600 of those combinations that make up each one of us. The combinations are different. So no two people are alike. No two seeds are alike. No two birds are alike. Nothing is alike. Everything is individual. With God, there are no duplicates. So for those of us who have lived in comparison, we can rest. In our resurrection bodies, we will each express a uniqueness that is greater than the uniqueness of our humanity. So you know what? The, that vision that I had as a kid of all of us running around with white robes playing a harp, it isn't going to look like that at all. Your resurrection body is going to be uniquely tailored to who you are. All right, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies, sun, moon, and stars, and there are earthly bodies, men, animals, and plants. You see, he's using all the visible things to illustrate this point. And the beauty and the glory of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, while the beauty and the glory of earthly bodies is a different kind. So Paul continues this illustration of the Creator's infinite creativity. Each creation has an expression and a glory that is unique to them. They all illustrate the Creator's genius and express His glory according to their own capacity. Verse 41, The sun is glorious in one way, the moon is glorious in another way, and the stars are glorious in their own distinctive way. For one star differs from and surpasses another in its beauty and brilliance. So I think back to that question in verse 35, and I think, what an incredibly stupid and arrogant question. To ask God, how? How is this going to, how's the resurrection body, how's that going to work? How? God, that's the answer. God is the how. And you know, it's a simple truth. God is the how. Okay, how I'm going to pay the bills. God is the how. How am I going to function with this disability? God is the how. How am I going to deal with the unruly relatives? God is the how. God is always the how. We don't ever have to ask how. It's like uh, Susan used to say, the answer at Bible study is Jesus. You just answer Jesus and you get it right 90% of the time, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, God is the how of every question that you might have about your situation. I know we don't like God as the answer. We'd like another answer. We'd like a methodology. We'd like a path to follow. We would like a one, two, three. But don't just tell me God is because I've got no control over that. And I can't either make it happen or make it not happen. And I don't like that. God is the how. God is how we will be resurrected. God is how we will come out. Of, we will not come out of the grave, but our body will come out of the grave. John 1, 3 says, All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him was not even one thing, not even one thing made that has come into being. How? The glory of each is the glory of the creator. You know what glory means? means manifestation. That's what it means. The glory of this life is the manifestation of his life. And in this life, we do that by faith. It's very hard for us to understand that or to embrace that because we want something visible. We believe that the manifestation of God has got to be so much more. It's got to look like somebody. It's got to act like somebody but I want to tell you that the manifestation of God is the natural process when we yield to him. 
and it is unique in you. Unique in you. It's unique in every one of you. That's the glory of this life. And the glory of God is proven and, and exhibited by faith. We live this life by faith, not by sight. There are often times when I have a hard time feeling his presence. How about you? I have a hard time feeling or knowing his activity in the circumstance. How about you? But yet, I understand that that is part of God's glory. To be able to manifest that truth, to be able to believe in the midst of darkness, to be able to embrace the reality of his presence when I have absolutely no affirmation in my soul, if that is glory. Well, I want to tell you something about that. Do you think that that's relegated to the deepest, darkest moments? I'm telling you no. It's the way we live. It's the way we function. That's how we relate to him. That is the glory of God. So many of us want glory. It's a human desire. We want to be recognized. We want to be special. We want some kind of glory. And we interpret glory a thousand ways. To be significant in the eyes of others. We crave that sort of thing. Yet we neglect its singular source, which is his life in us. I want to tell you something. I use the illustration all the time that Everything we receive, we receive from within, not from without. So if I am looking to literally bring forth the glory of God, then, then I, can't, I don't create the glory of God through, through big services and big orchestration and, and demonstration of spiritual activity. I can't create the glory of God through eloquent sermons or through vivid illustrations or through informative PowerPoint presentation. The glory of God is not something I create. It's something that we share inside. And if for us to be able to participate in the truth of that glory, it just requires one thing, faith. Faith. Faith is what turns a simple service into a sanctuary of worship and praise and and recognition of his presence. Faith is what takes John's vision of, I see the throne and the whole earth is full of its glory. You know that he's speaking of after, of course, when after Christ has come and, and, and Jesus is sitting on the throne and the world is transformed. But I want to tell you something. This earth is populated with the glory of God. It is manifested in His creation. It is manifested in every believer. And God wants us to live according to faith in recognition of the glory of God in everything around us and in every circumstance that we walk into. And you know what? The gathering of His people is the act of faith recognizing that we are all of the same glory and together worshiping him. It's spiritual affirmation. The the resurrection life that we will have will contain our life and be the perfect vehicle for manifesting that glory without any obstacle. Won't that be wonderful? Verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable and decays, but the body that is sown, that is resurrected is imperishable, immune to decay and immortal. The body that is sown is perishable and decays, but the body that is resurrected is imperishable, immune to decay and immortal. 
Notice he says body each time. He doesn't say person, right? The resurrection will be a manifestation that will be greater than anything we can imagine. We cannot, should not, try to compare the temporal with the spiritual. The perishable to that which is imperishable. Such resurrection glory has not been seen since Christ. We're going to see it for the first time. We're going to see the second greatest illustration of God's resurrection power. The second greatest. You know who the first one It was Jesus. You see, we did not get to witness with our eyes the resurrection of Christ, did we? But this is God. He is so good. He is so brilliant. I mean, I'm a dad. I got a lot of kids. And one of the things that really makes being a dad special is being able to gather the family around and share something with them. That's that's what makes a family feel and seem like a family and work like a family. Well, this is kind of what God orchestrated in this whole resurrection thing. I mean, he didn't have to do that. But no, when Christ comes in his glory, we will go up to meet him. And at that point, we are going to witness the resurrection power of God. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.